Welcome to the College Scoops podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough, and today we are talking with James Childs to share his experience and expertise on how we can create an environment and culture that fosters inclusivity, promotes diversity, and celebrates a supportive community. The ways that are very obvious. I like to think of the, um, uh, like metaphorically, the, the an iceberg. Each of us is an iceberg, and there's a tip of the iceberg. But as my, most of us know, the tip of the iceberg may only comprise 10 or 15% of the total mass of the iceberg. Most of it is below the waterline, and we're not seeing it. We as people are very much like that. Like we, if I can mix metaphors a little bit, we send an ambassador, a representative of our full selves into the world every day. So, you know, we dress a certain way, we fix our hair a certain way, we, you know, we, we talk a certain way, we act a certain way, but it in no way encompasses the fullness of who we are because most of that you've got to actually get to know in order to fully know us. So when I think about the idea of inclusion, it's about creating those safe spaces where we feel comfortable bringing the things above the waterline or allowing others to kind of dive deep to find out the things that really make a difference, the things that I value, the things that, that really motivate me. This is the College Scoops Podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops on everything college-related, and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members, free ebooks, and even a College Scoops care package. James Childs is a consultant and facilitator in diversity and inclusion, leadership training, strategic planning, conflict resolution, and mediation. His background includes extensive work with audiences ranging from elementary and middle school to high school and college, adult staff, administrators, and executive leadership, all dealing with the challenges presented by race, ethnicity, generational differences, sexual orientation, gender, and religion and spirituality. With an extensive background in a broad range of Fortune 100 companies, banking institutions, various levels of academia, and nonprofit organizations, James brings to his training and facilitation a keen understanding of the need for diversity, inclusion, and conflict resolution skills in all sectors, as well as the positive impact of effective leadership and the need for strategy as individuals and organizations serve their communities. Through both experiential exercises and open forum discussions, he brings to the surface important issues of multicultural awareness. His open and often humorous style of communication energizes and challenges participants as he fosters the unlearning of foundational concepts upon which many of society's problematic interactions are based. James received his Bachelor of Science in Computer Science from the State University of New York 
College at New Paltz and his Master of Divinity degree, as well as a Master's of Art degree in Human Service Counseling from Regent University. James currently works as a learning partner in DNI Learning for Facebook. James, thank you so much for coming onto the College Scoops podcast today. We're thrilled to have you here. It is great to be here. Thank you, Moira. You and I connected through my husband. You both played little league baseball together. It's so it's such a heartwarming uh, connection to connect with someone who knew you when you were nine years old. And uh, yeah, it's just it's it's great. So anyway, it's it's good to be here. So we we're connected because of your husband in a very close way. Yes, so. it's it's really nice. So thank you for your time and energy and guidance and expertise because we asked you to come on to our show today to talk with us about diversity and inclusion. And really, you know, when we look at what type of climate and culture and environment we want to live in today and how can we live, learn, and work together and provide an environment that celebrates intellectual curiosity, advances mutual respect, and kind of promotes inclusivity in and outside of the classroom or workplace. Yeah. And the more we talk about it and the more we hear from people like yourself on how to embrace it and how we can bring that into our home, workplace, or college campus. Can you just share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, um, I uh, was born in a little city of Kingston, New York, <laughs> which is where I met your husband, Pat. Um, uh, we'll fast forward to the adult years. Um, I, I got into diversity and inclusion work um, in the late 90s, and I got into it, quite honestly, as a participant in a workshop that challenged me in a way that I had never been challenged before to think about the ways that I'm different, how those differences impact how I see the world, how the world sees me. And honestly, I was so intrigued. I remember asking the facilitators of that session, how can I do this work? Uh, because I knew the impact that it had on me, and um, I wanted to try to have that on others. So that began a, a, a trek of almost 25 years now that I've been working with really allowing people to understand that we are different in so many ways, and but our differences really only comprise a very small percentage. We're more alike than we are different. But it's those differences that often um, can get in the way. Those differences are actually what brings incredible value, though. Um, and because of that, looking at diversity, which really, it's the similarities and the differences that we carry with us all at all times based upon um, characteristics we were born with, you know, so whether we, you know, have long hair or, you know, freckles or, you know, we have this chocolate brown skin that I'm wearing uh, or we're the first born or we may have been like, in, you know, all those things that were inherent to us is part of our diversity along with the things that we acquire through our experiences, through our choices. So we all represent diversity in one way or another, every single person. And one of the things that I love doing in this work is, is, um, really kind of broadening the the idea of diversity because when you hear diversity people start automatically thinking of race and gender and sexual orientation and religion and yes those are diversity dimensions but so are so many other things our work style how we think the best time of day that we like to work our values um our beliefs all those things also come into our diversity and i like to say that diversity is always present anytime you've got 
two or more people in the room. Now, there may be some elements of diversity that are missing. And as we talk about, you know, people's college experiences, you know, there may be some dimensions of diversity. Maybe you go to a school where there are not as many, you know, people of color or not as many uh, women or whatever. And that diversity would obviously make you better. And there's ways I think we've got to be able to think about that and even ask questions as to what one's experience might be. But diversity is a given anytime you have two or more people in the room, because that's basically who's in the room. Inclusion is about how people are in the room. How are they experiencing this location, this place, you know? And again, in a college campus, I think one of the biggest questions that both students and their parents have to ask themselves is like, well, how will my child who is fill the blank in, whether that's part of the LGBT, you know, IAQ population, or, uh, or if it's, or if they're black, or if they're female in an engineering program, how are they going to experience campus life and life in the classroom? That's what inclusion is about. First of all, with your conversation that everyone's diverse, I think that kind of makes it so simple. And it is. We each represent diversity in many, many different ways. Um, and quite honestly, um, the ways that are very obvious, I like to think of the, um, uh, like metaphorically, the, the, an iceberg. Each of us is an iceberg and there's a tip of the iceberg. But as my, most of us know, the tip of the iceberg may only comprise 10 or 15% of the total mass of the iceberg. Most of it is below the waterline and we're not seeing it. We as people are very much like that. Like we if I can mix metaphors a little bit, we send an ambassador, a representative of our full selves into the world every day. So, you know, we dress a certain way, we fix our hair a certain way, we, you know, we, we talk a certain way, we act a certain way, but it in no way encompasses the fullness of who we are because most of that, you've got to actually get to know in order to fully know us. So when I think about the idea of inclusion, it's about creating those safe spaces where we feel comfortable bringing the things above the waterline or allowing others to kind of dive deep to find out the things that really make a difference, the things that I value, the things that, that really motivate me. So when you say that, though, as you said, you can have all that diversity and, and check those boxes and then all of a sudden still fail miserably. Yeah. I mean, again, let's decouple diversity and inclusion. I often hear DNI or diversity and inclusion, but diversity again is who's there. And you can have a bunch of people who represent many dimensions of diversity, but if they don't really feel like they belong, if they don't feel that their differences are, are, are actually recognized and utilized in the achievement of whatever that organization's goals are, if they don't feel that they're encouraged to bring their full selves, then you, they don't feel included. And so including is about, you know, hey, I, I, I belong here. I'm part of this. And, uh, you know, they're considering me as they make decisions um, or I'm part of the decisions. So that's really, it is possible to have, in, to have diversity and, and not have inclusion. And it's also possible to have inclusion and not have diversity. So they do stand as two separate items that we like to put together because it makes us stronger. So then how do you, how do you help corporations? How do you help organizations acknowledge that and embrace that thought and then act. Yeah. How do you roll that out and how do you help them put the processes together? And I, I think it varies, but I think in general, getting people to understand 
the incredible positive value that having diversity gives to us. There are many studies that you could go out and simply search on the internet and find out how increased diversity helps businesses to make better decisions. It helps you to avoid some of the cross-cultural faux pas, some of which are actually uh, monumentally uh, legendary at this point. You know, uh, you know Chevrolet uh, produces a car called the Nova, and uh, people remember the Chevy Nova. And is it a wonder that in Mexico, it actually didn't sell very well because Nova actually translates loosely to doesn't go. Not a good moniker for a car, exactly. But you know what? If you had no one on your team, as you were naming it, understand Spanish, you make those kinds of mistakes. And diversity allows you to just have a diversity of thought. So, you know, with my diversity, whatever that I bring, I'm bringing in perspective that can actually better our products, can have us more understand how our products are being used or how people are going to experience a place that we have. Um, and so if we can... If I can get people, whether we're talking in a business or a police department, in a school, a church, a community center, if you can get people to understand the value of diversity, the diversity that they bring, the diversity that others bring, then you begin to let's say, okay, there's an investment that we're going to make in making sure that we can cover as much as, much as we possibly can. I mean, um, if you're selling items and you want everybody to, to, to buy your particular item, which of course in today's world is amazing. We can be on the internet and literally sell to people in different parts of the world. Um, you can, if, you, if you'd like, if you're a business, you could, you could have all your people, for example, you want to sell something, I don't know, in a place that doesn't speak the same language that you speak. So they speak Portuguese. So you're selling it down in Brazil. Well, you can have everybody learn you know, Portuguese but that's a really slow curve. Or, wow, it'd be amazing to actually have somebody who knows Portuguese on your team. And you've, you know, you've, that diversity is there. So getting, getting businesses, getting people, getting individuals to understand the value of diversity then allows us to talk about, okay, here's who we need that if we have and leverage makes us better. You can't just invite them in. They've also got to be able to stay. I mean, you've invested in finding and recruiting and, 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 and seeking these people out. And if you win them over, here's what I know about human beings. We are beings of comfort. We will not stay where we're not comfortable. And so how do you create comfort, right? I mean, Moira, you and I know each other for all of a couple of weeks, but there's an incredible comfort level because of relationship that I have with your husband. That's not by mistake. I mean, if you can create relationship, you create inclusion. I mean, there's, and that's really what a lot of this is about. How do we not know everything about everybody? That's impossible. There's, I mean, there's just gotta be always stuff that we don't know. But do we have the ability to create relationship, to understand and maybe even be, you used the word curiosity earlier, to be respectfully curious? of someone's difference. I mean, much like children, right? If you, you know, it's not beyond a child to like point to somebody who is maybe in a wheelchair or has some other apparatus to help them. And they'll say like, like, what happened? Like, what's that? And like, they just simply want to know. And then once they know, they want to figure out, okay, so how do we play? Right? I mean, that's kind of the children's thing. So can we grab some of that and bring that into our adult experiences and be respectfully curious of each other 
learn about each other, leverage those things that are wonderfully different and really help people, not in spite of their differences, but because their differences are seen as adding value, wow, what a strength that we could have if people are feeling like I'm here because I'm different and my differences are, are adding value, not in a token way, but you know, in the way that, you know, again, it's going back to you know, a baseball analogy, right? You need people who really run fast and hit for average. You need people who hit for power. You need people who are going to really be great fielders. I mean, you know, um, for those of you that don't like baseball, think about a chef, right? Uh, you need people who can, you know, do the entree and others, people who can like, you know, make desserts and so forth. So uh, diversity makes us better. And if people can see that, then they understand the value of attracting that diversity and then doing whatever they can do to maintain and grow that diversity. If you take a moment to ask somebody, well, what are your thoughts? People are not, they're in the room, but they're feeling like they don't belong. And so, mm. and as you said, on a college campus, you're there, you were recruited, accepted because of your differences, mm -hmm. because of what you're going to bring into that classroom, because the richness of your experience, as you went back to your, what you were born with, your experience mm -hmm. and your choices. Is, yeah, yeah. So those are the three. And that brings a different layer of discussion to a classroom that really promotes that type of intellectual exploration, I would say. Yeah. I know you have kids. You have I do. kids who went through the college process. If you were recommending to families or students, whether they're applying to college, maybe it's the first, first generation applying, what, were, what would be some of the questions that you would encourage them to ask of a college when they're looking at colleges to make sure that a, there's a place that they can thrive in, that they'll be supported in. And as you said, comfortable, because we're creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. comfortable, well, that would allow them to like take risks. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, because I think through three of my children, you know, matriculated, my second son actually took a number of courses. Um, and they all, well, primarily, obviously, the first thing is that they were going to schools that allowed them to get what they needed for the career choices that they had at the time. So my oldest son, Jordan, phenomenal musician, right? Um, while he was at home, kind of listening to his grandparents who had a very pragmatic, almost utilitarian perspective of careers, you need something that you can get a job with. So like, you know, go to school, like music wasn't it. And after spending a semester at, at a community college, no, I'm sorry, he was, he was actually at a, a state university of New York uh, college at New Paltz, in fact, uh, he said, dad, you know, Thanksgiving time, he's like, I'm not sure I want to do this. I really want to, I really want to be a musician and I have to try, I've got to try to do that. So finding a school that would allow him to really do what he wants to do, I think is the first and foremost thing. So he chose Berkeley College of Music up in Boston and it's like, hey, he says, if I try and I fail, I, I can always come back to do this. And uh, he's a phenomenal musician, he got in and so forth. So finding, okay, this school gives me what I need in terms of what I want to do, obviously is the first thing. So whether it's nursing or music or engineering or whatever, then in terms of choice of school, you know, um, I think about my, my oldest daughter who chose a school that I had never even heard of. And I don't fully know 
how she found the school. But the school, she wanted, she wanted to be a teacher. And in fact, today she is a third grade teacher. But there was something about the college that she liked. It was a, it, it had more diversity relative to racial diversity, right? Um, than where she grew up. And we grew up in a city that honestly, I think percentage wise is probably 80, low 80 percentile white. We were always part of a 6% black population. And then um, as everywhere, the, the Latinx population is certainly growing. She wanted a little bit more diversity than that, considered actually um, a historical black college university. She, she considered, uh, I know Howard, uh, which is where my brother uh, actually graduated from, um, but then decided to go to Kennesaw State University. And it's like, and how did you, where, what, what is this? But the campus life there, there was a really balanced, uh, there was a, there was 30 something percent of, of you know, people of color and, and um, a lot of international students and the size of the school was decent, you know, it was a division one, you know, I think like a 1A football team and basketball, you know, so it was kind of this growing place that it, she really felt that she could really thrive there and that there would be enough support um, of people who were experiencing life like she did as a black female, but also they had a very good educational school. They were placing people very well. Um, so it, there are a number of things that for her were important. And the, the diversity of the student population is one. So that's something obviously you can, you can look up online. All schools give that information. Some schools even will give you information around um, inclusion uh, surveys that they do with the student body so that you get from a student perspective how comfortable are students, right? And they usually disaggregate that data based on any number of uh, dimensions of diversity, whether, you know, male, female, um, ethnicity, so forth. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's about, you know, when you, when you have chosen the place that gives you what you need, ac need academically, then what is my life going to be like? Because we're only in class part of the time, you know. Um, where, for example, can I get my hair care products and perhaps get my hair done? If my hair is, you know, I mean, that, that's like a big deal, right? Um, it's a big deal when all of a sudden you think about it. And yeah. typically that wouldn't be on your first hit list. Right. right, exactly. And, you know, but again, I think it's important. Um, how far am I away from perhaps a place of worship that I, you know, if, if that's an important thing for me, is there a connection to churches or church that I, you know, can go to? Um, what's it like in terms of the nightlife? Am I a guy or a girl who wants to go out and, you know, is there the kind of music I listen to? Is there a great, you know, uh, bar restaurant that I can, you know, go to? What, what is Greek life like perhaps? And is there, um, you know, is, is there fraternity or sorority that, kind of is in what I'm into and that I maybe would like to, to go to. So I think those things, which I think are pretty average for everyone, takes on a slightly different tone if I'm part of a, an underrepresented population. Like, you know, um, again, still now there are fewer people of color in school often than, you know, their white counterparts. Um, but understand this, like my children, like me and like others, you are accustomed to being one of only often, you know, depending on where you grew up. Now, if you were in a situation where you were in a predominantly, um, let's say, area where 
a large percentage of your student body was black, then you may be dealing with some other things that um, like, hey, what, what, what experience might I really want to have that's going to prepare me ultimately to be in a world that is incredibly diverse and that may spawn you to do something different. But I think that thinking and those questioning of yourself and of the environment is going to be really important. Absolutely. And I think the more that that communication takes place between, I think, students, between the parents, asking that ahead of time, being open to asking representatives, like college representatives, or as you said, like taking that walk on that college campus. Now, sometimes you can't like now. Right. Told, I've told my kids, call up, look yeah. at social media, get in touch with those different organizations, those clubs, and ask those questions because those are students that are there that are actually in executive roles within their clubs. So they, they like the club, they're willing, they want to recruit, and they're going to give you the straight scoop. As right. Once I get on campus, I remember we interviewed somebody who, who went to Princeton and she said, once I got on campus, it was hard to be included. Mm-hmm. And, and the inclusion didn't just, it, there was many different levels of inclusion too. Can I afford to be part? Yeah. That, from a financial point of view, I just talked with my son about one particular college and I said, actually, I don't know if you'll feel included there because we don't have that type of money. And the type of student that goes there, you have to realize you will be excluded from a lot of things because you can't financially participate. Hmm. Yeah. Does that change that college on that list? Right, right. It, you know, it, as you were talking, it, I, I thought of one other thing. Um, if, for example, you are a young lady who is going into, let's say, engineering or another male-dominated uh, profession, um, it may be really, I think it's incumbent upon you to see what is the makeup of the faculty? Do I have teachers? And again, so you can actually make this apply to anything. Do I have teachers who look like me, who might be able to provide me with some uh, extra um, perspective? Um, it, again, it's, it, I didn't realize how, how much impact it could have, or perhaps even what I was missing, I, I had one black teacher, K-12, as my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Sanders, and it wasn't until I got into my third year of college that I actually have a black professor. And it was really interesting. I had, I mean, you don't know, and you can't miss what you don't know, mm-hmm. but suddenly having it, it's kind of like, Oh, this is this is kind of cool, right? And so you may want to see, okay, what's the faculty like? Is is the faculty fairly diverse? And do they have representation that matches me that will allow me to perhaps see a perspective that I haven't had before? So I, I will throw that one in there also. You're right. You don't think of it, but once you do, you're like, oh my gosh, that is just as if you were applying for a job and mm-hmm. going to work at a particular company. I know my first job, I was one of the very few women in the management training program in a sales organization. And boy, I could tell you stories, James. Yeah, I'm so sure. That I hope my daughter never has to experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, 
you know, I think about it. I, I, I wish I could remember exactly because I don't want to misquote something, but I'll, I'll talk about it in generalities. Recently, I was looking at the success that women were having in particular fields of engineering. Um, and this particular study basically showed the difference between the success of, yes, this, I, I know what it was. It was, um, it, well, I know part of what it was. It was talking about the difference between um, young ladies going to an all-girls school and an, another school that was co-ed. In this particular case, it wasn't so much that the student body was all girls that created such success for these young ladies. It was that the, there was a high percentage of faculty that were also women that seemed to really make the difference. And so, you know, again, if we're talking about gender diversity and you are, again, underrepresented in the ranks of that particular discipline, seeing someone like yourself does have a really positive impact on your success. So I think that's something else that I would certainly, um, you know, explore from the, from a, you know, when I'm choosing a, a college. And then I'm going to take that and kind of turn it a little bit and say, yes, that's should be factored into your decision-making. But then once you get in the room, there are people that I know who in college, when I sat next to, I thought, Oh, I'm that person is like me. And we were so different. And the person who looked absolutely nothing like me was probably, is my probably best friend. So yeah, exactly. I, I think that goes back to your original point that we're all diverse. And mm -hmm. sometimes the people who look different are the ones that you may have more in common with if you just mm -hmm. open up that dialogue and communication. Yeah. I read your bio when you talk about mediation. That's, that's a lot of what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Just pulling these different groups quote unquote, of people together and mm -hmm. learning about the similarities or sharing the experiences? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, again, remember my, my metaphor of the iceberg. Most of what connects us and like, yeah, most of what connects us is underneath the waterline. We can't see it. It's not, I mean, what you see above the waterline may be the thing that attracts you to a person. And, and that's, you know, no, that's just kind of how it is. But what keeps you there and what allows you to connect typically are the things that, oh, you like that too. Oh, you're into that. Oh, you do that. I mean, things that you could not necessarily see. And it's below the waterline that we either connect or conflict. And these are typically, you know, again, I think it's important. Um, one of the things I, uh, again, a different conversation yesterday, another um uh, it was preparation actually for a, another podcast that I was doing. Um, someone was talking about the myth of colorblindness and how I understand the intent when someone says, well, you know, I, I, I didn't see your color. Uh, if you're not sight impaired and you actually are looking, you will see my color. I know what you meant though. And what you meant is really not what you actually said. And what you said is I didn't see your color, which if you don't see my color, means you also don't, you're not factoring it into my experience because my color absolutely has had an impact on my experience. Someone's gender, um, if, if they're cisgendered and, and, and it's, it's pretty much known, has an impact on their experience. And so to ignore a major part of who we are, I think is important. But that I, go, I said that to say, it typically is not the color of my skin that connects me with people. It's the fact that I'm into this sport or that I really like that music or yeah, that's a value of mine too. Or we can, or that 
you represent something that's different and opposites do attract at times. I mean, so there's all these human things. There's no formula for why or how we get together with people, which to me says it, it begs us to get to know people, to create relationships, to have conversations so that you can, you can get beyond. And again, that respectful curiosity that says, hey, I mean, you know, I, I know this about you now. Tell me about your experience being, or how do you, you know, I mean, it's, we all major and we are experts at, at, our, at ourselves. And most of us have no problem talking about ourselves. So you can really be respectful, respectfully curious with people and they will tell you a lot about themselves, which allows you, as you said, to connect with people who may on the surface be vastly different, but you may connect underneath that waterline on things that just, you know, they create lifelong friends. And so, yeah. Um, and to me, that points to, by the way, another thing that I would, you know, in retrospect, if I'm thinking about college, and it's not something that I actually thought about, by the way, but I would definitely be looking for, you know, what are the opportunities that I have to really interact with other people, both like myself and unlike myself? I mean, are there plenty of opportunities to do that? Because therein lies the the, the foundation of the relationships that you create that literally could be with you for life, that literally could have impact on your career and where you go. And, you know, the fact that you can pick up the phone and say, hey, remember me? Like, hey, here's where I am. Can you give me some advice on this? You know anything about that? I mean, those are the relationships that happen and they typically happen not because we're the same race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, religion. It happens because we connected on some level that really is substantive and has a, has a, has a huge impact on us. And it makes it so much more fun and interesting and life is so much more exciting. I I've become more intellectually curious with my age. I said the one good thing about the light bulb going off late in life is that it's really bright when everyone else's is kind of (laughs) dimming. But I think if I could go back and experience my college classroom. And even now I say, you can't stop being curious no matter how old you are. And that's the beauty of it, to ask those questions, to connect, as you said, with people, to learn more about them, what makes them tick, why they like a certain, as you said, music, food, whatever. If we were to take away some advice that you have for families and students as a are excited because right now in this virtual environment, I'm such a people person. So for James, for me, and I have to learn now, we'd love to see somebody shake hands or hug or whatever. Yes. How can we do that effectively? Any tips that you have on a virtual level? I mean, you and I connected pretty quickly right off the bat, but. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and as you said, you know, we are, you know, perhaps indefinitely in this situation. I mean, as we speak on today, obviously this week we're hearing some promising news about, uh, you know, vaccines and so forth, but that's still, that probably puts us a year out if everything goes the way we'd like it to go. And, and like you, uh, I'm a hugger, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of physical touch person. Um, so this virtual environment that we live in, I mean, again, I have maybe some thoughts and some answers, certainly not the answer, but, you know, I think it's important to connect with people. It is wonderful that we have video. So, I mean, we are getting some sense of who people are. Um, But I also think that it's interesting 
And you'll find out if you turn the video off, you actually be more attentive to people's voices and other things. So that be also like going back to the old fashioned phone call, not necessarily in its entirety, but for some portion might actually be a positive thing. And, um, you know, there's a, there's, <laughs> I know there's a lot of cues that we take in visually, but it's interesting how much we can also hear uh, on the phone. And it's, I always think it's fun to actually have the phone conversation first, because inevitably what you do in your mind is you picture the person and, and then it just becomes a game. How accurate was I? I'm typically like totally inaccurate, <laughs> but, but it's just kind of fun to do. So like, what do I think this person looks like? And, and, uh, okay. <laughs> back into a phone call then <laughs> well i mean it's a little bit too late but you know it's funny because um however I, it's interesting i don't know this is weird i don't know how my voice appears all right but anyway there's some visual that comes up with my voice and there have been a number of occasions where people have met me and then said and you'd like see them like with a surprised look on their face like and I'm like, what? And I'm like, no, no, nothing. Like, no, no, tell me. And like the number of times that people was like, I didn't know you were black. It's like, okay. <laughs> Which is interesting, you know? I mean, it is what it is. Uh, my voice is what it is. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, I think that it's just an interesting thing. So anyway, virtually, I think um, not only having like Zoom calls and calls by video, but also being able to talk to people on the phone just to really be able to hear um, who they are and what, what's going on for them. Um, you know, we as a people, it's really, you know, I say as a people, just in terms of the human race and our resiliency and our stepping up to the plate to, to create things, there are a number of, um, of ways that you can virtually visit places, you know, and I think that's really cool. Um, I, I think that, um, if if anybody can give to you like any writing samples that they have, if they have, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing to like, what have you written that is maybe either creative or, um, or even biographical or something that I could read, you know, in getting to know people that that's also an interesting one. Um, and, and not so much in a checking up on one, but in a more of a, like, like if I'm interviewing you, and I need to get a third party view of you, to whom would I speak, right? That's a and, good question, right? And, you know, what might they say, right? <laughs> Some people may even say, hey, yeah, call such and such, whatever. Right. Um, it's interesting to see, like, if you have to pick five people that would give me a pretty rounded view of who you are, who would they be? Um, the selection of the people is interesting. Looking at the diversity of the selections is kind of interesting. Um, hearing what you think they might say, that's another interesting thing. So again, it's just all the ways that we can be curious about someone and revert to that childlike um, curiosity uh, where, we, where we hear things and really make an attempt not to judge. Um, our, our minds do it very, very quickly. You know, we, we typically bring in data and we observe things and we make, we make inferences very, very quickly. Um, you can't help it to some degree, but be aware of what's coming up for you. What story are you telling about the person who's on the other side of the call? Uh, you know, that awareness won't stop you from doing it because it's, it's, a, it's a neurological thing that we all do. 
but if but we can we can just to note right i mean i remember one summer doing work and as people would come into the room this is back when we actually did in-person trainings and facilitating there were people that came in and i would write down who i thought a jerk who this guy's going to be a jerk <laughs> seriously and it was always a guy it was always a guy it wasn't a, it wasn't a woman it was a guy um and I was wrong like most of the time. Like I would actually had more success in writing it down and then doing the polar opposite, right? And it, 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 it's those kinds of things to me that I think um, we can, in our ingenuity as human beings, figure out how to connect with people. Um, I'm a little crazy, so, you know, um, uh, I will ask people just, you know, arbitrary questions, you know, um, you know in the movie of your life, who's playing you, right? And why, right? That's just, I mean, again, anything that can, can connect us that can also create relationship really fosters the opportunity for inclusion. And I think that's important. So I don't, I don't know if I answered your question because I just- I, You know, it's interesting too, when you ask those questions, like who would, who would you want to play you in a movie? What would be the first three things or- how would they describe you in one sentence? It is interesting to your perception of yourself, which is very eye-opening and may cause you a little bit of reflection. Yeah, Always. yeah. I think sometimes we are our harshest yeah. of ourselves. And I think that during this pandemic, we've all learned to not be so judgmental first and foremost with ourselves and to, to allow us some grace. Mm-hmm. And that's really a lot of, I'm sure, what you do too in the workplace and helping companies by saying, well, I didn't mean to give that impression. And even in my position right now as a startup, you know, bringing in a lot of young students and working Mm -hmm. together, like how I'm always asking, tell me how I can do it better today. Like, what can I do that would help the situation? Because I think asking that for many people is hard. Yeah. A lot out of your team, your, your family, and your friends by asking that. So. Absolutely. I mean, to me, you've hit on, a, I think, an incredible skill if we're able to hone that. And that is one of, you know, of really giving and receiving feedback. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough thing at times. I mean, I, I realized, and I was commenting the other day to my coach, because I have, I have a coach that's helping me, uh, which is cool, um, that critical feedback is tough for me. You know, because I was kind of, I think to some degree, I, I had expectations of myself and others had expectations of me that I perceived as the need for me to be perfect. And so feedback represented that I wasn't, you know, especially feedback that was critical. Mm-hmm. And that's not a positive, that's not a good thing. You don't grow without the critical feedback. So being able to, to receive feedback and even ask for feedback is really something good. And then to be able to take the things that apply and, and make some changes, um, leave the other stuff out that's not applicable. Um, I, I think that's important. So yeah, I, I was glad that you mentioned that too. Well, well, don't tell Patrick that because I am always asking and saying, I'd like critical feedback. And my husband's always raising his hand, <laughs> going, it didn't ask me. Yes to everyone else in the room. <laughs> Jake, oh boy. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you wish you knew before you attended college, look back on it. What do you wish you knew before attending college? You know, oh boy. I, I, wish I, I, I wish I knew that I didn't have to have 
as many things like, or it appear to be like buttoned up and like, you know, perfect and everything there. I mean, someone said to us, you know, during freshman convocation that, you know, you will likely change jobs five times. Like you have five major career changes, not jobs, career changes. And I remember going like, what universe are you living in? <laughs> and here I sit now at the age that I am, um, and I am in my fifth career change. And I wish I really could have heard that and known that, that, that even more than um, destination or, or, or desire, your direction really is so important. And like be moving in a positive direction. It is likely that you're going to be taking some, 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 some exits off of where you thought you were going to go. But in, in, you know, I wish I had known that college really, I, getting a, a degree in some senses was verification that I know how to learn. Mm-hmm. Because when I went to work, uh, you know, I, I worked for a large company, communications company when I got out of school, they sent me back, right back to school to, to do what they needed me to do. But they had the confidence that I knew how to learn. So I wish I realized that learning how to learn is really the key here. And then being open, I think I would have had less pressure on myself. You know what? That was, I finally learned how to learn in business school. And if only I had opened my mind and I knew how to do it, boy, would I have crushed it in college. Mm. But hey. Hey, you, you learn when you learn and that's fine. Love that. Thank you. Is there any type of food on a college campus that you would recommend that you loved during your kids adventures and that you would go back to well i mean tomorrow so if there's one there one of the colleges there well um i'm just in baltimore not too not too long just this year so i don't know a whole bunch here but you know honestly i think that you don't want to go to a school where there's not a good pizzeria around i'm sorry if there's not a good pizzeria what then you can't go to that school I mean, it's plain uh, yes. and simple. The good thing is all of our student ambassadors always share their favorite pizza joint. So I absolutely good track. James, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Moira, it was very, very good to be here and I uh, love the conversation. It's been great. We'll, we'll have to continue. We will. Thank you, James, for joining us today. As someone who has worked throughout his life to help companies, organizations, and people create an environment that fosters inclusivity, promotes diversity, and celebrates a supportive community, we welcomed his thoughts on how to create, promote, and embrace a culture that blends diversity and inclusion into their culture and environment, whether it is on a college campus, in a workplace, or in our community. Diversity can be viewed in three ways, characters we are born with, experiences in our life, and choices we have made. When looking at schools, take a look at the makeup of the faculty. Are there people who look like you, who you can relate to or reach out to? Research the clubs, programs, and surrounding community as we are creatures of comfort, so make sure you have some of the necessary living items that will make you feel at home, places of worship, personal care services, and restaurants. You can find all of our show notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com slash podcast. Please take a couple minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops.
Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college-related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.